Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, I thought it would be appropriate if we went back to the impetus or the mission of our ministry, Sound Reasoning Ministries, by going back and revisiting this whole discipline of Christian apologetics. And I thought it would be appropriate if we would invite someone to come on a show to explain to us why it's so important for Christians in the 21st century to share their faith as well as to defend their faith. And so today we wanted to invite our special guest, Sister Mary Jo Sharp, um, who was a former atheist and is now a Christian author as well as a lecturer. Uh, She's written books such as Resilient Faith, Living in Truth, and Why Do You Believe That? And it's the latter book that we want to uh, elucidate today. Uh, Why Do You Believe That? I've I've read through it, and I think it's a very uh, straightforward book for all Christians to understand the concept of apologetics and how to go about doing it. Uh, Sister Mary Jo, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Perseus. Excellent, excellent. And so you are connected with uh, Houston uh, Baptist University. Can you tell us more about what you do there and and, um, how you're connected to that uh, particular institution? Sure, thank you. I'm an assistant professor of apologetics in uh, Houston Baptist University's apologetics degree program. So we have a a master's level degree in apologetics, which is a 36-hour degree, and it's all online. So uh, if, you're, if people, the listeners, are interested in going deeper in this material, they can actually get a master's degree in it with people like myself who teach this uh, in an online program. So they can get some more information about that at hbu.edu slash MAA. Excellent, excellent. I, I do appreciate that. I'm always in favor of Christians learning more about why we believe what we believe. So if you're interested, uh, please uh, listen to the uh, call letters again. Uh, Sister Mary Jo, can you repeat that website just so for those who missed it can get it again? Sure. hbu.edu slash MAA. Excellent. Now, in terms of your book, Why Do You Believe That? What was the impetus for writing this book? (laughs) <laughs> I actually, you know, I was thinking about this and I thought to myself, uh, you know, the real impetus was that I was asked to do so by a publisher. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, you know, I wish it was like really something great more than that. Um, <laughs> but it was an expansion of a presentation that I used to give called Asking the Right Questions. And I had an advocate who worked in the Bible study division at this publisher an advocate, just a friend, uh-huh. was really the just an encourager behind getting this project done. Um, as I wrote the book, 
as I started writing the study, I'll tell you that uh, what I wanted to see happen was I really wanted Christians to feel more natural in how they discuss belief in God, and I also wanted to help them not be intimidated to do so. So I wrote the book to provide some tools to use that you know I found helpful in my own experience. Excellent, excellent. Uh, as, I, as I was perusing through the book, it felt that way. It felt natural. It felt like we were having a conversation. And at the same time, we were learning, not just talking about our faith, but how to deposit it to others. So in that effort, I think you did accomplish that. And uh, I've read a lot of apologetics books, but to me, those that reach the everyday people are my favorite. And so I think your book uh, meets that criteria. Oh, thank you very much. Now, my next question um, for some of us that are listening uh, I never take for granted that everyone that goes to church or profess to be a Christian understand or may be familiar with the term apologetics. Uh, sometimes when I bring it up or people hear my radio show, uh, the question that I get is, what are you apologizing for? So <laughs> if you would, please explain to our listeners what apologetics is. <laughs> I love that. My dad actually said that to me about uh, when I told him I was getting a degree. <laughs> he was like, There's the same idea. Like, what are you apologizing for? Right. Uh, or I think he worded it more like, it's about time you start apologizing. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so please explain uh, yeah. to our listeners what apologetics is all about. <laughs> yeah. It, it is somewhat of an archaic term uh, that's coming back around. But it, it is actually a term that comes right out of the Greek New Testament. So you can find it there in the scriptures. Apologists typically go back to 1 Peter 3.15 to pull the word from that passage. And what we see there is Peter saying, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord, always being prepared to give a defense of the reason of your hope. And the word defense is the word apologia. So we just transliterate it. We just pull it right out of Greek and use it in our own language. So it means to make a defense or a case. It doesn't mean being defensive, just making a case for what you believe about God. And I really like uh, that this passage in particular, where it's coming from, because Peter's actually addressing a group of Christians who in some way feel they feel persecuted. They're being persecuted. And they are feeling intimidated to share why they have hope in Jesus Christ with others. So it's a good passage for us to use. I appreciate that. So it is a biblical concept. It's not something that we made up on our own, but it's, we find it in the scriptures. So thank you. Uh, yeah. Now, now that we know what apologetics is, why should believers practice apologetics? Yeah, that's a really good one. Um, I'm going to give three reasons why, and they do come out of the study, so if anybody wants to go back and read through, they can get more of these. But there, it's to answer doubt, build confidence, and change lives. Let me expand just a little bit on those. Um, answering doubt, well, doubt, that's one of the persistent problems that plague Christians because we're humans. So we're finite creatures with limited knowledge. Not we don't we can't know everything, and not being able to know everything gives rise to questions and even skepticism. But doubts don't go away on their own. We really need to feast on the evidence in order to get some answers. So um, doubts can actually be a good thing 
sometimes doubt can lead you away from faith, but conversely, sometimes it can lead you towards faith, like right. in my own life. So uh, either way, answering doubts, when you start to do that, um, it can build up your confidence in what you believe mm. is true. And to leave them unanswered can be that, that means by which it can start leading you away from faith. So it, we need, you know, should engage in apologetics for building, for answering doubts. But when we do that, that builds our confidence in what we believe. And uh, that's really important because people are losing confidence in their belief, mm. not because of good arguments, Perseus, but because of the influence of their culture. Right. Uh, they're just having to work through so much falsehood that comes at them on a daily basis that it's difficult to have uh, that confidence in our beliefs because most of what's coming at them is not friendly to Christian belief. <laughs> that is actually contrary, especially in the media, right. you know, television, movies and such. Yeah. So it tears down your confidence. So answering your doubts can build your confidence in what you believe. And then that can be life changing. Mm. Uh, and that's, you know, as you build your confidence in the existence of God, that's when you start placing more trust in him. Right. As you discover the reasons why he's trustworthy, like he actually uh, became incarnate and mm. you know became human, died on a cross for our you know salvation for our sins. When you begin to see that as an actual event in history that this happened for you, then you begin to understand why he's so trustworthy, and you can place that trust in him. That's when you start to see that transformation really start happening. And so it, it, it's for changing lives as well. That's why a you know, believer should engage in apologetics. Thank you so much. And you're right. Um, those three aspects that you've highlighted is what happens when we get into practicing what the Word of God is telling us to do, which is to give each man a reason for the hope that lies within us. And you're saying those uh, engaging in apologetics helps us to answer doubts, build our confidence, and change our lives. So let me ask you this, uh, Sister Mary Jo. Um, in terms of your experience with the students that you come in contact with, for those that are not trained in apologetics, how do you feel uh, or, or what's your experience in terms of their uh, ability to answer questions about their faith? I would say that it's somewhat low. Uh, they're repeating a lot of things that mm. they've heard. They, what we, I tend to call it, and some other people have used this phrase, Christianese. They sort of <laughs> <laughs> learn the lingo, but they right. don't really have the connecting, like grounding for those beliefs. Right. So they don't. They don't really know why they believe them, and they're more easily both swayed by culture, and they're also the ones that tend to bring in more culture to their Christianity that's not mm. um, not able to go with Christianity. It's actually contrary to their beliefs. So right. that's what I've seen. Right, right, right. Thank you for that uh, pers- uh, aspect of it. And, and you're absolutely right. That's been my experience. Now, um, there may be those listening to us, and they've heard you define apologetics. They've heard, they're listening to you talk about uh, the effectiveness of apologetics, but perhaps they're still not convinced in terms of uh, seeing apologetics as not necessary. Uh, can you just touch a little bit more on the, on, on that thought you talked about in your book, but you, can you highlight 
uh, or or help us to answer those that claim apologetics may not be necessary? Yeah, um, I think I've encountered even more than what was in my book, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to share those to start with, because uh, I think there's a lot of things that people are saying about this. But first of all, I've heard that apologetics teaches people to argue, so therefore it's against the teaching of Jesus, right? Okay. <laughs> so um, the problem with that is that we find in the New Testament that Paul's actually reasoning That's in the right. synagogue. And the word is dialegomai, which means to converse, discourse, argue, discuss. Arguing is actually part of how we convey what we, that what we believe is true. So it's that case-making side of the term arguing. It actually doesn't have to be argumentative and shouldn't be argumentative, right. which is what Paul warns against in 2 Timothy 2, 23 to 24, to avoid foolish, ignorant controversies that result in quarrels. You're not to be engaged in that kind of activity. Right. But, yeah, so Paul actually, we see Paul arguing persuasively. Apollos is another one, Acts 18, who's refuting the Jews with arguments. So, really, it's something we should be doing. Now, other people might—another one I've heard is, you can't argue people into the kingdom. Right. <laughs> I've heard that one, and that— I would say to answer that one, just agree with people. Yeah, amen. <laughs> <laughs> amen. Um, that's usually, though, coupled with, uh, we, well, you know, you can't argue people into the kingdom, so we just give them Jesus, or we just love people. And there's just some problematic thinking going on with that. Um, I love what Greg Kokel from Stand Reason Ministries has to say on this. He actually comments that, you can't really love someone into the kingdom of heaven. And you can't simply present the gospel and expect the hero to come into the kingdom. And when we look at why that is, it's because, well, for one, we see that many people who were treated with sacrificial love and kindness or who did hear a clear explanation of the gospel never put their trust in Christ. You can right. see that in the scripture. Right. Um, and that's because it's, you know, it's the work of the Holy Spirit and it's, you're, you're coming to a point where it's an individual who has to make that decision for themselves. So any of our endeavors to share Christ, when coupled with the work of the Spirit, can result in the fruit of faith, not just, you know, loving people or, you know, the way that people try to say, yeah, you can't argue people into the kingdom. Well, if it's coupled with the work of the Spirit uh, and, you know, the will of the person, then you're on that right path. And you're, right. you're absolutely right. Thank you for that. Uh, and yeah. the key there is we have biblical precedence. So uh, when we do share with individuals, uh, not arguing, like, as you said, for argument's sake, but reasoning our position and uh, reasoning the faith uh, through what the scriptures tell us, then yes, uh, um the, as the Holy Spirit leads us, then we can be confident that we've done our part. Now, there is a word, a buzzword that's been going around, uh, which talks about, well, um, w Christians are intolerant. And mm -hmm. Christians are intolerant. And, 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 and that we don't, um, we're not loving but you kind of addressed that in your book as well. Can you please unpackage that for us in terms of how we respond to those who claim that we are intolerant? 
sure. Yeah. Uh, and it is something that goes, floats around our culture. So it's a great one to ask. Thank you. Um, I would handle it in a, like sort of a little process with people. First, I'm going to agree with them. <laughs> Christians have been intolerant. Yes. I notice I'm not dealing with Christian views or doctrines. I'm just agreeing that there are individuals and even whole groups of people who have professed Christianity who have been intolerant. Right. But, but intolerance is a trait common to man. So if we're going to be pointing fingers, there's a lot more intolerance to point out in human history than which just what's coming from Christians. So I would get that part out of the way first. Like, yeah, intolerance is a human trait, and there's a lot of it going around. <laughs> the second one thing I would say is I would ask them if it's actually the doctrine of salvation that's the instigator on this view. Uh, because Jesus himself, when asked in John 14, claims that he's the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through him. And notice he doesn't mention any binding moral codes or rituals or practices to get to God. Mm. It's just through trusting in Jesus for who he is and what he's done. And why is that? Because he is God. He makes this claim to divinity in that same John 14 passage Mm -hmm. and then qualifies it by saying, if you don't believe his words, then believe in the works he's shown. Believe who he says he is based on his miracles, what he's doing. And I think this is where people get a little bit hung up. Um, So I would wrap this all up with saying, you know, that's, that's the Christian doctrine right there. But... The third thing is I'm going to couple this doctrine with the teaching from the Sermon on the Mount in Luke 6, 27 to 31, to love our enemies and do good to those who persecute us. Mm. That's a, that is a command for radical, unconditional love, because it goes well beyond just tolerating other people's views. It goes to loving the person who holds that opposing view. Right. So, yeah. Right. But very important because Jesus is surpassing the cultural standard of tolerance, which is merely putting up with a view with which you disagree. Very well stated. Thank you so much. Uh, My next question is another prevalent one uh, in terms of uh, the mass media that we look at and uh, even our communities. Uh, The world uh, seemed to try to couple Christianity in the same way package as other religions and as a result they formulated this view that all religions are the same how as christians should we respond to this uh to this view yeah well we should definitely use some of the questions that are in this study to break this statement down so i'm gonna i'm gonna give you some of them right here First of all, I'm going to ask, when somebody says that all religions are the same or they all teach the same thing, I'm going to ask them, what do you mean by that? I need them to clarify what they're saying. And then I want to move to the next question of, well, how do you know that or where are you getting that from? Mm -hmm. I want to find the source of where this is coming from because I have a feeling a lot of times we're dealing with sound bites instead of with um, with people who are really looking into these beliefs and why they think they're true. Right. So we want to get that sourcing question in there. And then I want to ask him, why do you believe that? And why are you committed to this? What's the story behind that? Because 
the most basic level of doctrine, including things like the nature of reality. Religions have <laughs> fundamental disagreement. They actually contradict each other. Right. So, so to say things like all religions are the same is to embrace logical contradiction and absurdities. And I don't think people really know that because they aren't really studying things like Jesus and Islam, you know, where Jesus is not God in Islam. Right. And in Christianity, Jesus is God. Right. And those, those both can't be true. The necessity, like the truth of one necessitates the falsity of the other. So uh, logic demonstrates that to claim all religions teach the same thing is kind of to show up our own ignorance on the matter. Although I wouldn't tell a person <laughs> that sort of negatively charged wording. Like, I just keep asking them questions and walking them through that until the, the that contrariety that or a con- that contradiction actually appears in their thinking. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we're on air with Sister Mary Jo Sharp. She's the author of Why Do You Believe That? And uh, she just shared with us some great nuggets from her book. And for those of you listening, uh, you, may, you should get this for your library. And where can they get the book from, Sister Mary Jo? Oh, you can get it from LifeWay.com. Just go to LifeWay.com and type in Mary Jo Sharp. Excellent. Again, thank you for being on Sound Reasoning. And may the Lord continue to bless you as you help to defend the faith. Thank you, Precious. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thank you. Again, that's Sister Mary Jo Sharp. Uh, She wrote the book, Why Do You Believe That? A Faith Conversation, and it's really a workbook. Um, Small groups can use it. Independent studies, the book would be great for that as well. And I always like to encourage uh, those of us that are listening to really sharpen your study. And in turn, I promise you, the more you study the Word of God, uh, the more he reveals himself to you. And that's why uh, Peter as he's writing to those that are being persecuted, he's able to say, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ye ready always uh, uh, to give a answer, a reason for the hope that lies within you and to do it with gentleness and respect. So I'm praying that all of you decide to not just only read the word of God, not only to study the word of God, but to apply it. And she's right. Uh, we can't violate The law of non-contradiction, which states that two opposite statements cannot be both true at the same time in the same sense. To say Jesus is the way is not the same as saying Jesus is one of the way. To say that Jesus is divine is not the same thing as saying Jesus is just a good man. Those two statements are opposites. So I'm hoping that we learn more about God's word We learn more about his truth and that we avail ourselves to be used by the Holy Spirit to give a reasonable defense for the hope that lies within us. And that's what all of us are commanded to do, not just to feel happy, not just to say we love Christ, but we have to demonstrate it every day. So please go out and do for the truth what so many do for a lie. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. 
It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. If you're tired of parenting advice and news headlines that are more confusing than assembling IKEA furniture, we've got just the podcast for you. My dear friend Abby and I are here to help you navigate the parenting roller coaster. Should your kids be on social media? What should you tell a friend facing an unplanned pregnancy? These are just some of the many questions we tackle on our podcast. Subscribe to The Real Deal of Parenting wherever you find your podcast.